Hello, everybody. Welcome to the US Sports Podcast with Max Whittle. Joining me today, BBC World Service sports reporter, Rafael Geller. Hello, everybody. Episode nine of the US Sports Podcast with Max Whittle. And happy December. We are 25 days away from Christmas Day, unless you listen to this podcast not on the day of its release, but we're getting closer. And today it's all about the NBA. Special guest, Rafael Geller, who lives in Israel right now. He's from Indiana, huge basketball fan. I would strongly uh, disagree if you said you could find someone who knows more about basketball than him. We had an awesome chat that went on for over an hour. We talked about, we covered a lot of ground. We, we covered a lot of teams, a lot of different players, Talk some Israeli basketball, college, Greg Oden, Steph Curry, the Warriors, the Blazers, the Bucks, the Knicks, uh, a lot of teams, a lot of things covered. So we'll get to that. Uh, thanks for supporting the podcast so far. You can find the US Sports Podcast with Max Whittle on Audio Boom and also on iTunes. And you can get in touch with me on Twitter at Max underscore Whittle. But let's get straight to it as we approach Christmas Day where the Cavs and the Warriors play each other. All NBA with BBC World Service sports reporter Rafael Geller. Back on the US Sports Podcast and on the line is Rafael Geller, who's just told me his surname rhymes with Ross Geller from Friends, but he is from Indiana, BBC World Service sports correspondent. He loves basketball and he's been waiting for this, so we're going to talk NBA all the way from start to finish. Raf, how's it going? You're out in Israel. How's life? Pretty good, pretty good. We have a, a fun league here, a fun basketball league that has a lot of great former cal- college basketball players, uh, some former NBAers, you could say. Not a lot of big names. Well, actually, I guess Amar Stoudemire is here, so that's a really big deal right now. Um, but uh, everything's good. Everything's good. Uh, very happy to be on the show. You had Nate Robinson there last year, no? Yeah, we had Nate Robinson uh, for about... Three months he came because um, one of his former teammates from Washington University was playing here, and he basically, you know, convinced him to come to Israel. It's nice weather. It was during the summery part of the year uh, in Tel Aviv, a nice city, a very good nightlife. And uh, he came for a few months, and it was uh, extremely entertaining. Uh, the Mars Stoudemire thing is very different, much more about uh, spirituality, religion, and things like that, and he's here for the long run. But, uh, yeah, it was fun having uh, Nate here, and I think uh, I think he had a good time as well. And uh, I guess we can thank Trey Simmons, his uh, – not Trey Simmons, sorry, I'm blanking on his name. Um, I'll get the name later, but <laughs> former Washington University guard who convinced him to come here. If I put Maccabi Tel Aviv in the same gym as the Philly Sixers right now, Who's who's winning that game? Because I, I I suppose the better question would be pre Joel Embiid because now Embiid's so good. But do you think they'd give the Sixers a good game? Nah, I mean I've been following European basketball for years and years and years, and uh, you know an, an NBA team, even if they win seven games in a year, ten games in a year against a really good Euroleague team, even the best Euroleague team, which in this case would not be Maccabi, uh, it's, it's just not even close. I know in you know, in, in, in the regular season, we see occasionally the European team beat uh, an NBA team. But, you know, that's it's exhibition. It's not real. Uh, it's just like how in football, you know, you sometimes have second or third tier teams beat Premier League teams. So, I don't know. I hope I didn't disappoint you there, Matt. <laughs> but, 
Well, but, it's, uh, it's just a stupid yeah. argument. The question always comes up, you know, well, oh, would Con- yeah. if, if Philly are really bad, like last year, there's always that question of would Kentucky, for instance, beat them? Well, no, they wouldn't. I always hated that. I always hated that, this discussion, mm. personally. Because you have guys on, yes, you have Kentucky, you know, but you have guys that are second-round players who are probably never even going to make an NBA, and guys that are playing in Israel right now, for example, that were second-round players from, you know, Kansas and Kentucky and Indiana. So you have three or four maybe really good players on Kentucky, if that, you know, maybe a couple Kentucky teams we could talk about that, that could have maybe competed. But then you have, you know, these guys that, that can't even make it. You know, maybe they score 15, 16 points a game in, in college, but then they can't even make a good roster in Europe. So I don't know. I've never been a big fan of that uh, debate. And I've always kind of said NBA team, the number 15 guy on the team, is probably better than the number one guy on most uh, on most you know college basketball teams, except obviously you know the, all the big programs we named that have like the lottery picks. But you know the number, let's say for example, the number ten guy on an NBA team could be in theory just as good as the number one guy on a Kentucky team. Not every you know Kentucky team with with the number one guy has been good. Yeah, we've had Don Wall and, and Anthony Davis and all those guys, but not. The number two and three guys, um, if I just, you know, think off the top of my Cauley head. Collie Stein. Guys, yeah, it's, it's not, you know, that uh, impressive. So that's just my two, two cents of that. <laughs> well, we can end that debate right now because there's so many topics to get to. Uh, I think this has been a good NBA season so far. Someone asked me the question last week, you know, what would you say out of 10? And I gave it a seven just because... Going into the season, the Warriors and the Cleveland Cavaliers were the only two teams anyone was going to talk about. Um, obviously, with the Kevin Durant addition in Golden State, Cleveland winning the title last year and bringing back everyone, um, it it looked like it was going to be preordained. Everyone knew where it was going, but we've actually had a lot of interesting storylines, one of them being Russell Westbrook, who, now that he's got that team to himself, his usage rate is at 40% right now. He Everything's going through him. Um, he's got eight triple doubles on the season, which is the rest that the rest of the league combined have eight as well. Forty five for his career. Playing ridiculous right now. And he's one of the guys you would turn on a game just to watch, right? Yeah, I mean I've been a huge Russ West Russ Westbrook fan since his days at UCLA. Uh there are a lot of good point guards that went through UCLA during that time, Aaron Aflalo. Um also um uh Jordan Farmar as well. Yeah. Guys that play, played a couple of years in the NBA, and, and what was cool is O.J. Mayo and Russell Westbrook, O.J. Mayo at USC against Russell Westbrook back in the college days was must-watch TV. But, yeah, I mean, look, Durant's gone. You don't have another star on the team. It was always Durant's team, no matter what people say. It was always Durant's team. You know, Durant is maybe considered the second or third best player in the NBA. Some people back then would say even the best. Obviously, he won an MVP during his time there. Um, so... It's now 100% Russell Westbrook's team. The guy can pass, the guy can rebound, the guy can score. Uh, but I think what's interesting about him is, is, is uh, his, his, uh, his assist rate has really gone up uh, this, in the last like two years. If you look at it, how many assists he averaged in the playoffs, I think it's something like 10 or 11. I could be wrong, but I'm almost positive. I'll check that in a minute. I'll open it up. But He's really improved his passing. Mm. We knew he could always score. We knew he could always get to the rim. Those were things that, you know, weren't, weren't an issue. But with, with the rate he's been able to improve his passing, uh, he's just become a, an absolute monster and a guy that, uh, you know, Oklahoma City, 
made a lot of moves this summer. You know, they made a lot of trades. Uh, their team on, on paper, in all honesty, is not that impressive, in my opinion. I don't know about you. I Pat, agree. But, no, I agree. Um, they, they, yeah. they, they're doing better than I think people expected them to, even though they have Westbrook. I mean, Victor Oladipo, I know he's a number two pick, but... Watch I mean, out, man. Watch out. Victor Oladipo. <laughs> he's your boy. I know he's, in, I know he's an Indiana he's boy. Um, I, I, used to, I, used to, I used to be... This will be fun for your listeners. I used, to, I used to go... He was dating one of my friends back in the day in Indiana, <laughs> and I was at parties with him, and he always would never get near alcohol, drugs, anything. He was always really... There you go. Um, and it makes sense. He was a guy who was a three-star recruit, Max. No one... Thought he, he was like the third or fourth recruit at Indiana. No one even thought he'd be play, be playing professional basketball. Uh, so he has a really great story. So I, I was uh, that's funny. I was in Orlando last last November actually, and uh, when he was still with the Magic, and uh, after the game, when you do the you know the the interviews in the locker room, he'd come in with his towel around him, and he had his speakers in his hand, and it was like this Jamaican Caribbean kind of music coming in, like doing a little bit of dancing, and and they'd actually lost the game. Um, seemed like a very nice guy and, and I interviewed him before the game because it was um, preceding the London game last year and he said he was bringing his mum over and he was going to take her to Harry Potter world so that was kind of <laughs> like the best line of the whole film in the end because he was he was funny um, but yeah. what I'm saying is OKC they still need that n- extra shooter but like you said with Westbrook assist wise I think what's more impressive is his points like he's going over 30 points at the moment and 15 assists twice in a row at least. Uh, he's mm-hmm. got three triple doubles in a row and two of those were at least 15 assists. That hadn't been done in 28 years. I think he's doing he's doing things that we haven't seen since obviously Oscar Robinson. But still, do you think that you can win an MVP with a triple double? I mean, that might not sound like it makes sense, but do you, do you know what I mean by that? Yeah, I mean, I, I personally think, you know, it's, the season is very, very, very young. I mean, you know, we're 18, 17, 20 games in. Uh, but if the MVP vote was today and I had a vote, I would vote him as my number one because he's just playing ridiculous basketball. Uh, and it, it all, almost kind of makes you think, like, you know, what, what his game would be like if uh, Durant left a couple years ago. But then it also makes you think, what about if Durant stayed this year? It makes you think a lot of things. This is what I think we all, you know, as NBA fans, we all and people who cover it, we, we want to – those questions get us intrigued and get us excited for the game. So – uh, his development's been really, really, really exciting. NBA-wise, you know, we're not again, it's not football. He's 28 years old. That's still pretty young. He just turned 28. He still has a good four or five years left. Yeah. It's just uh, whether, you know, whether Billy Donovan will demand from management to, to kind of bring in more. Because, you know, they, they, they signed Steven Adams to that big contract, which I went off on Twitter. I'm sure you saw that. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> they locked him I up. Don't you don't like that then, because I think he's one of the. He's young, twenty three, I think, and he's he 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 seems to be improving. But I'm getting the drift. You don't like him. Well, I think he's a great player. I don't think he's worth what is it, twenty five million dollars a year. I well, that's the yeah, that's the current. Obviously, the current rate of going players with the salary cap and the money going up. Yeah, but it's but it's not even. I mean, that that was my argument. I know that you know the market now is crazy, but. There's guys in the league. I mean, we could do this for a long time, so let's not because <laughs> we could go on and on. But there's guys who are, are doing exactly what he's doing, who signed recent contracts and are making less. Make, maybe they're making 16 to $18 million a year, which is still a lot, but they're not making 25 for not even averaging a double-double. So 
you know what, let's hope they know what they're doing and building around him will be the right thing. I don't know what to make of these two guys, Durant and Westbrook, right now. I loved it when they faced off the first time. Durant dominated, but it was funny because Westbrook came in with the official photographer's bib before the game. <laughs> Obviously, KD is a fan of photography in his spare time. Little dig there, but Westbrook actually looked great with it on. He can pull anything off. Guys like Anthony Morrow, Andre Robertson, they actually look like they're going to hit everything that Westbrook passes to them. I think he's making them better. Canter against the Knicks a couple of days ago was scoring in a in a bunch of in a bunch of different ways. Uh, but they're just they're just short in some way, and I think the the tail will come out eventually. I don't think this can last. Westbrook has to stay healthy. Donovan probably wants to stagger his minutes more as the season goes on, and I think they'll be kind of between six and eight in the West. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, you know, I think they have some some good young players. Um, I think, you know, you look at, uh, like you said, Andre Robinson, he was a really interesting prospect coming out of Colorado. I remember watching him a lot in university. Um, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to, to really know, uh, what, what he can give. I think he needs to start scoring more. I mean, you mentioned he's hitting everything that, uh, Westbrook's passing to him, but uh, he needs to pick up the pace on the scoring uh, Steven Adams as well. I mean, he, he does a lot of the little things and he gets, you know, the credit from the fans for the hustle and the big rebounds, but I'd like to see him score a little more. Uh, regarding Anis Cantor, I've always been a big fan of him, but the one thing I think has always been the thing that people have been skeptical about is his defense. I mean, he mm. scores a lot of points, but then he, you know, whoever he's guarding on the other end scores more. So in basketball, you know, everyone knows that it doesn't really matter you score 30 points, if the guy you're defending scores 32 points, you're, you're going to lose. So um, his offense is clearly there. It's, it's, you know, his field goal percentage is pretty good. The rebounding is there. But the defense is something uh, that can still be taught. And, and I don't know if you remember this, but he wasn't able to go uh, to Kentucky. He was ineligible, which really hurt him yeah. um, that he wasn't able to go um, to Kentucky. And... I think, I know it's crazy, and I know it's a long time ago because I remember back in the day, but I really think that him not being able to go to Kentucky hurt him uh, and that he he never really, not that at Kentucky learned defense, let's be honest. <laughs> that's, not, that's not what Cal Perry does at Kentucky, but the defense is just lacking. I, I'd really like to see him improve his defense, but there's tools there. Billy Donovan's a great coach. He's really good at working with young players. Uh, and, and I think uh, they'll make some moves. Like you said, though, they gotta they got to get more shooters. There's definitely not enough shooters on the team. Uh, Victor Aladipo is what I would call a slasher. I mean, his shooting is probably his worst characteristic. Streaky, um, right? Westbrook can't yeah. shoot either. I mean, there's a you have yeah. to differentiate this. Westbrook is a scorer. He's a great scorer. He's not a great shooter by any stretch. Right, and same with Aladipo. I mean, Aladipo is not a great scorer, but he, his shooting is not his best thing. That's, that's something that he improved a lot at Indiana University, but... There's, I don't know. There's, there's nice, there's, there's good players there. There's good young players there. I just, you know, it's not like you look at the the 76ers or some show will get you there and you say, wow, there's lots of really good young players. There's lots of great, great young players on the Hornets, on the Thunder, but um, I don't know. I, I, they need more. They I need more. Really will ask for more, and I, and I think uh, they'll get it. I just think let's see, let's see. You know, six, seven, eight seed. Maybe five if they can if Westbrook can keep it up. That's the thing. If Westbrook goes down tomorrow, uh, oh yeah, a month. Forget six months of the year. A month. I'd like to see who picks up the pace or the slack. I really don't know who would. So 
that's something to keep an eye on. Yeah, they'd be done. They're completely done. I mean, we, we can talk about Westbrook all day, but we're going to move on. Just leave you with this yeah. stat that they uh, Westbrook's eighth triple-double came against the Knicks. Um, his eighth of the season. The Knicks have got seven triple-doubles as a franchise since 1992. So that kind of tells you wow. yeah. uh, what, what he's doing at the moment. Um, I wanted to talk Warriors with you. I know... Uh, you try and limit the kind of Warriors discussion because we know everyone's going to be talking about them come April, May. But right. I'm really intrigued to know what you think about this project at the moment. They've now won 12 in a row. Uh, the early season talk is over with. They lost their first game. And I think that's when everyone jumped kind of off the bandwagon because they thought everything was going to be so easy for the Warriors. And then they got blown out by the Spurs on opening night. But now they're 16-2, and two, um, looking pretty rosy. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I must admit when, you know, the first week or whatever the season, they, they didn't look too well. You know, there were a lot of whispers of that, um, you know, do they miss Harrison Barnes and did they give too much up to, you know, and did, did they give too much up and the team's very different. And, and you know, uh, there was even some people um, saying that, uh, you know, it was, a, I don't want to say a fluke, but I saw all sorts of um you know of things on on twitter that you know i didn't really want to believe but it's interesting to read into them because that's what we do but look they look great uh i think we've spoken about this off air i'm i'm not a fan of Durant going there i don't really respect it it's not like i mean it's it's not that i don't respect him but i just don't respect the move um well neither does adam silver if if the commissioner says that this is going to affect parity i don't like it then yeah, look, ever since the big three formed in, with the Celtics, it's kind of just changed the way teams compete for championships. Even LeBron did it. I mean, LeBron did it in Miami, and let's really be honest, and I'm tired of people saying he didn't. He also did it in Cleveland with Ke- Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving. So yeah. uh, I don't know. I mean, look, he, he believed that that's the best way he could get a title. But, like, you know, duh, I don't want to say duh, but come on. Obviously, if you join a team like that, it's the best way. I think if he would have st- stuck in uh, in uh, Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma City, and really um, built more pieces, mentored some of the younger players, they could have also won there. I know that might sound crazy, but I like uh, I like Zaza Pachulia a lot. I've always liked him. Yeah. Um, I liked him back in the days when he was with the Hawks, and uh, even before that, when he was with the Bucks for a little bit. He's yeah, he's wow. starting to get into that. You know, he's actually, because Bogut, one of the things he did really well that people forgot about was his passing. And Petulia right. seems to, he, he looks like he's a lot more in tune with that system. And I, I think Steve Kerr deserves so much credit here because uh, you mentioned the offense and Durant. Everyone talks about that. And there's been these silly Clay Thompson trade rumors, even though bringing in Durant, you've got to keep Clay Thompson. That's the whole idea. But for me, the interesting thing, there was a story written um, by Ethan Sherwood-Strauss of ESPN before the season. It was talking about Draymond Green being the one reason why the Warriors potentially wouldn't um, go on to succeed like they should. And I think that was just a, um, an article basically saying, oh, this could happen or this might happen. Draymond Green, for me, has, is the reason, is the exciting thing right now for the Warriors because you usually associate a closer with an offensive player. But he, the other night against Atlanta... He got an isolation call against Dennis Schroeder. He was guarding their point guard for the last four or five minutes of the game. He he made some key stops down the stretch. And I think people saying that them losing Bogut and Barnes, Barbosa, their defense is weaker. I think that's really pissed Draymond Green off. And, and he's saying, well, look, we're long, we're athletic, we're talented. And I think he's actually the key to all of this. 
he he's the bad guy, right? He's the bad to the Warriors good. Yeah, I mean, like you said, the the you know Bogut leaving and then replacing him with with Zaza, I, I think you know Bogut. I don't know. Bogut's had a lot of injury problems, but Zaza's a veteran of the league and can come in and do what's asked of him. Uh, Harrison Barnes, I mean, he's a great player, but clearly, you know, you add Durant. Uh, look, at the end of the day, uh, Draymond Green, like you said, is, you know, Steph Curry is the face and the franchise and the commercial guy and this and that. But the heart and soul of the team is Draymond Green. I mean, I remember uh, when he was a freshman at university, I, I saw him uh, play against Indiana. That's back when I lived in Indiana in Bloomington. Mm. And it was Indiana against Michigan State. And this guy was hustling more than anyone on the court. <laughs> and he was a freshman, and he was a freshman. And I remember just saying, wow, this guy's amazing. And as the years went on and on, he always hustled and hustled and hustled. But everyone said, you know, he's 6'7". There's no way. He, you know, he's a power forward. There's no way he'll make it in the NBA. It's just not possible. And he's really, you know, done the impossible, got himself, what, like an $80 million contract a couple of months ago, whatever it was and is just the heart and soul of the team, has been amazing. It's not even about the points. It's about when he scores and, and the extra pass he makes. And uh, I'm looking at his stats right now, Max. And last year, 14 points, 10 rebounds, and 7 assists. I mean, mm. that's for a guy who's 6'7", who's supposed to be playing power forward, um, that's pretty damn impressive. And, and he's the one who's had to lose shots, right? So if you're talking right. about an attitude, Draymond Green will always go back and credit everyone else. For, and he'll say, look, Steph, Clay, and Durant, they take pride on offense. And if, you know, like the comments about uh, the defense lacking at the start of the season, everyone was slating the Warriors for having no interior. Well, Draymond took that personally as if Curry would take something personally if they said about the Warriors, or your offense isn't good enough, which they'd never say. Um but Green's had to take less shots. And if he was a bad teammate and a bad locker room guy, I think he would be egotistical enough to suggest that he should shoot more and have more of the ball. But he's doing things in other ways. Like the, There's this myth that the Warriors aren't that good on D. Um, but actually, they're fourth best holding opponents to 43% shooting. So there's, there's arguments against that. And they're very good at blocking shots. Uh, I think they're up there in top 10 in terms of blocks. But Draymond's so good in transition. He's always looking for his shooters gets a lot of rebounds, he hustles, and, and like you say, he's such a small guy for that position. And I think he's willed his... You see the stories about when he came into camp as a rookie and he'd be shouting out guys who had been on that team for years, veterans of the NBA. Like, no one does that. You're not supposed to do that, but Draymond's just got that attitude. Yeah, he, he has an attitude and he's made it work. And you know what? It easily could have not worked. He could have come in and done all that and with the wrong team and the wrong people understanding his intentions, mm. he, you know, the NBA is not always necessarily about who's the best player. I know people always assume that, but there's so many guys who do play in Europe. I know I'm contradicting everything I said earlier, but <laughs> there's so many guys who do play in Europe that could be in the NBA. It's just about finding the right fit for you, the right coach, the right teammates, because that's really what it's about. I mean, I think people forget how important the relationship between the players is in understanding each other. Um, to being able to be successful on the court. So, yeah, it's, it's, you know, I'm not a Warriors fan. I don't really like the way they play basketball, but I appreciate it. I mean, there's definitely something new and something that I'll tell my grandkids about because it's a new style of basketball. It's kind of a change. There's lots of threes up and down. Um, and you know what? you got to adapt to the times, and maybe it's taking me time to do that. But I was 
you know, raised by by an old school basketball mind, and that's kind of always been in my head. But uh, with time, I'll, I'll get used to it, I suppose. <laughs> if you're keeping tabs on the Warriors' schedule, a couple of dates for the diary. December 7th, they're playing the Clippers uh, on the road, and then they go to Cleveland on Christmas Day. I'll be watching that one. Um, this is the US Sports Podcast. We're talking to Rafael Geller, an Israel hoops expert, BBC World Service. Hey, man, who is your disappointment of the season so far in terms of a team or teams? Um, look, I, I the for me, I know there's lots of. I'll start with. I'll give you two teams. Let's go with one from the east and one from the west. And for me, the Wizards. You know, a couple of years ago, there was a lot of excitement about this team. People said John Wall really, you know, put it together. Um, this team's going to be good. Then Bradley Beal, I don't know if you remember, he had this kind of wrist injury, I think it was. And ever since then, he just has him in the same player. Uh, Otto Porter Jr., they really counted on him to be a lot better than he's been. Uh, they've made a lot of changes. They've made some trades. They brought in some young guys. Uh, Trey Burke uh, came in as well. What was it, from the Jazz? They, yeah. they traded him. Um, and he hasn't really been, you know, what was expected. He was a first-round pick. To me, they're just a disappointment because two or three years ago, people said this is a team that was going to be top three uh, in the East with the duo of John Wall and um, Bradley Beal. Yeah. But it just hasn't uh, hasn't really gone to play. And John Wall also, let's not forget, was a first-round pick, a, you know, number one pick, not first-round pick, sorry, number one pick. Took him a couple of years to get into it, improved uh, his his uh, shooting, but and the stats are the, are still there. He has decent stats, but he's not. Uh, there's something missing. I, I don't really know how to describe it. Maybe it's leadership or getting the team behind him. Uh, but I almost feel like management and the ownership, uh, and uh, you know, I almost feel like they kind of gave up. And it's just so shocking because again, like two three years ago, you really look. What, where this team was going, and everyone, if you go back and read articles, is saying, you know, this is the team, this is the team that's really going to cause problems in the next few years. They were playing uh, in the uh, Eastern Conference semifinals two years ago against the Hawks, and, and I think with a healthy John Wall, they were very close to making the conference finals. Two years later, they're 6-10, and 10, and the, the East is so jumbled that they've obviously always got a chance in that conference. What I find fascinating is that people say... Um, that, that you know they've lost a lot of guys. You know you're saying now they've traded, they've brought in some guys, but they've lost so many guys. That's probably why. But if you look at the list of players they've lost, you know Trevor Ariza, Paul, Paul Pierce had a great playoff, but you know Paul Pierce, yeah, is, he's Tre- Trevor Booker, S- Sessions. Yeah. They, mm-hmm. It's who they've brought in. Ian Mahinmi's hardly played a game so far. You mentioned oh, Trevor. He's, he's, I, I don't even know how he's still in the league. Him on the Pacers. <laughs> was brutal. I've never been a fan of his. No disrespect to him, but no. yeah, um, you know, I don't know. I, I, it's just really disappointing because you really thought that those two would, would uh, you know, be, be kind of the next great guards of the East Coast, of the East, Eastern Conference, outside of what's going on with, with the, you know, the bigger market teams like the Celtics, Bulls, Raptors, Cleveland. I mean, those are big city teams. You get a lot of media attention. The Wizards never really have. So, to me, that's really disappointing. I mean, you can look at the 76ers and say we expected more from them. Um, but, I don't know, I wouldn't say they're the most disappointing. The Heat, we knew they were going to have a lot of problems. The Knicks, you could even argue, are doing okay. Oh, the Knicks. Um, don't get me on the Knicks. What, who, who about, what about in the West? Because, I, I mean, I was going to say Portland. Um, 
as a yeah. dis- as a disappointment. But th- the yeah. thing is, if you actually look through it, it kind of makes sense because the Blazers last year in the playoffs, they got past the Clippers because Chris Paul and Blake Griffin were injured. And then they mm-hmm. faced the Warriors, got a, got a game out. They lost 4-1 in that, if I recall. Um, but they're not a second-round playoff team. They were a first-round team who should have lost, and, and that's where they sh- they were going to be. But now people are putting them on this pedestal where second round is minimum going into this season. And it's almost like you're wondering now, Damian Lillard um, and CJ McCollum, you know, they're yeah. very obviously very good players, but na- you have to question now whether they can go forward with both of them because they're kind of cancelling each other out and they don't have a lot else around them. Yeah, um, I've always been, I don't know, a skept- I don't want to say a skeptic of, of Damian Lillard. I think he's a great player, but I don't think, you know, he scores enormous amounts of points, but it's, it's again, goes back to the issue of, like, what more do you bring than that? What more do you, you know, can can you bring? What, what kind of, what I'm trying to say is, you know, the assists, are not impressive. Uh, he, he scores a lot of points because sometimes he doesn't pass the ball when he probably should. Um, and, but, but like you said, to be fair, again, you look at the roster and it's almost like, uh, you know, it's like, okay, there's some interesting, you know, Evan Turner's there. I don't know how the hell he's making $16 million. I see that right now. That's, Timothy that's Mozgov is making $16 million as well. Right. Um, <laughs> that's crazy that's, world. That's crazy, um, but uh, it, it's uh, it. I don't know. I guess if you're you, let me give another team since since you listed them. Um, I'm sorry, my my someone is calling me on Skype. I apologize for that. I'm telling them I'm not available. Um, but I think another team, and maybe maybe you know, call me crazy, but I think the Mavericks to be this bad. Um, you know, owned by Mark Cuban, even though we all knew it was going to be a transition year um, and the team isn't that good and they didn't get any of the free agents they wanted. Uh, you know, I, I don't well, know. When you're without Nowitzki, Darren Williams, Devin Harris, JJ Barea, they've all missed time, right? Yeah. Yeah. They've all missed time. But uh, I guess for me, for me, just as a person who's so used to, you know, the Mark Cuban era of them always competing. I can't remember the last time, they were the worst. I mean, the last time they were the worst team in the NBA was Priya Nowitzki, right before they drafted him. Yeah. So we really, we really haven't seen this since I was born, or since you were born. Um, they, uh, so- 1994, they started one and 23, if I recall. Right. So look, you're right. I mean, obviously they have had all the injuries, and and, and that's what's happening now. But it's just something that uh, you know that you don't expect. Maybe you know you can make another argument. Uh, for the Timberwolves, but they're the same type of story, still really young. The question is, I don't know, I, I was wanting to get your thoughts. I know you're the host, but uh, the question <laughs> is, how, how long do you wait like until you say, okay, you know, this is a really young team? I mean, is it like three years? Is it four years? Is it five years? Because there's lots of teams in the NBA where you say, okay, well, they're really young. And you look at the Timberwolves, and suddenly, you know, Ricky Rubio is not that young anymore. Mm-hmm. I remember when he was really young. He's not that young anymore. Yeah, the other guys on the team are young, you know. Trust the um, process, Raph. Come on. Trust, trust the, the process. Yeah. Or the process. Nah, I don't I don't trust the process. I'm sorry, Joel. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I just the think like will, a lot of them, Go on. I don't know. No, they said no, the no, T-Wolves have time on their side. For, yeah, you know, because they've, yeah. got, they've got Wiggins and Towns and uh, Levine. Uh, but I get your point. Like, to that question there, I think it's more relevant in the East. It's like, when are 
these kind of teams like Indiana, Detroit, Milwaukee, when are they going to take that next step? Charlotte is another one. But yeah. Indiana, for In- me, are a huge disappointment. Yeah. Massive. Like yeah. Larry Bird yeah. telling us that he's going to speed up the offense and they bring in Al Jefferson. Nate McMillan, the coach, I'm not a fan of that move at all. That I, that trade for Vogel. Move. It's such, And it's a weird, weird team. Move. George Hill is showing us why that trade with Jeff T was just stupendous because George Hill's having his best season. Yeah, I mean, uh, look, uh, a lot of people, Jeff Teague is, is an Indiana native, went to Pike High School, which is a traditional really big uh, basketball high school in Indiana. I think we expected a lot more from him. Points haven't been there and the assists haven't been there. Uh, for me, what touching up on what you said, and I, I guess I want to delve into it, Nate McMillan was such an eyebrow hiring. I had no... I get letting Frank Vogel go. Clearly, it's time for a change. He's done all he could do there. You know, the good years were behind. That's fine. I get that. I maybe not agree with it, but I get it. But bringing in Nate McMillan made absolutely no sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the only thing I like about this team is Paul George, obviously. But the thing that excites me the most uh, and a player that I'm, I'm really excited about and I've tweeted about a lot is Miles Turner. Um, he's 20 years old. He's a really, really, really good player, in my opinion. Like, I have a feeling we're looking at a guy who's going to be an all-star in the coming years. Uh, he's shown some flashes of, of brilliance. He's six foot eleven. He really knows how to move. He knows how to how to run with with the point guard. He knows how to shoot. Um, not you know mid-range shot. I I am a really big fan of Miles Turner. I really like what he's doing. But you know some of the, Al Jefferson. You know, he gets you the statistics, but mm. he hasn't been on a winning team in a while. I mean, you know, he was on some of those exciting Bobcat teams, you could say, but a team that was really competing, um, he's never really been on. Uh, and I just kind of wonder for Paul George, he's also, you know, not getting younger. Now he's and- going to be out. Like, if you think about it, like these unsatisfied players on bad teams, like DeMarcus Cousins right. in Sacramento, then Anthony Davis in New Orleans, the- Paul George in Indiana is someone who's not going to re-sign right now. He's going to let his contract run down. And, and Larry Bird's obviously got no choice but to keep him if he can. But I think George will test yeah. the market. Because Indiana have had their time. Like, they were competing with the Cavs a couple of seasons ago. They were yeah, getting yeah. to the conference finals. And now they're yeah. irrelevant, pretty much. Yeah, they're irrelevant. But, I mean, you again, you look at the team. Monta Ellis, one of the most, like... Mike O'Donnell is one of the most overrated players in the history of the NBA. Because you look at his whole career... Yeah, his average 20 points every game, but then you have to look at his shots and how many in his field goal percentage and how he always makes teams work. Uh, some of the moves that, you know, Larry Bird is a legend. There's no doubt about it. As a player. Uh, as a player. Um, <laughs> and as a guy who really, you know, changed a lot of stereotypes about the NBA. And, Did you ever get near him, by the way? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he came to Indiana basketball games a lot. He, and he used to come to my high school um, to do recruiting and stuff. And I actually once saw him in the stands when I was at a Greg uh, Oden game, when Greg Oden was at Lawrence North and Mike Connolly and him were on the same team, and he came to watch. I, I saw him a lot, not a lot, but like five or six times while I was in Indiana. I never spoke to him because I was like 17 and not a journalist at the time a long time ago. But, um, you know, he's treated as like a god in Indiana. Because for people who, are, who don't know um, – you know, how intense basketball is in Indiana. You, I don't know how to explain it. I mean, you're, you're in the U.K., Max, so, you, you know, football is, is everything there. But try and think of, like, football in Liverpool or football in, in Manchester. Basketball in Indiana is 
everything. Yeah. It, there's no, it's everything. And, all, and so many great players have come from Indiana. And it's almost hard. It's almost it's really hard to see Larry Bird, like, really struggle with some of the decisions he's made. And you almost want him to just kind of quietly bow out and maybe, you know, get, let someone else do this. Because this team, you know, might finish 500, maybe five games over 500. But they're a first-round exit, maybe second-round exit team and and you know if they make the eastern conference finals it, it'll be a fluke it's just because the east is so poor so i don't know I, I don't know what to say it's disappointing and uh we'll see what happens i was gonna say the jazz but you know what i'm not gonna say they're a disappointment because i think they're the scariest average team in the nba they're they're at 10 and 8 seventh in the west as we speak as we record in a fairly good position and the only reason i don't say they're a disappointment is Kind of like Dallas, but you've you've put them on the list. Is the injuries they've had? Um, you know, they've had steady improvement under Quinn Snyder the last two seasons, and then they've gone and added George Hill, Joe Johnson, Boris Diaw, uh, and I think their record lies. Very good defense. They've had Derek, Derek Favors has been out, and then Gordon Hayward missed the first six games, and when he came back, George Hill missed eight games. So I think they're a very flexible offensive team and they can play pretty much any way they want. And I think they'll actually be a surprise if you don't think Utah are already on the map go, coming towards the end of the season. Who would your, who would your surprise of the season be? Let's go with the West first. Um, hmm. uh, I, I, it may, you know, I don't know. If, it, I don't want to say the Spurs because that's such a boring pick. But, but you're right. You know, yeah, you think about a lot of the changes they made, and yeah, obviously, you know, Tim Duncan wasn't scoring, wasn't doing what he was doing the last couple of years to the highest level. He was still an amazing player, but I think, you know, it's, it's clear uh, that this team now 120%, 150% is Kawhi Leonard's team. It was his team last year, but now it's, you know, it's his team. There's no question about it. Um, I really like that Pau Gasol is there. I know, you know, that, um, I know that, you know, he's not the same player as he was, but, uh, I, again, you look at, at some of these players who, who used to be, you know, a lot, a lot bigger names. I mean, LaMarcus Aldridge is, is not the same player he was in Portland in terms of, you know, the numbers, cause he was scoring 25, 26, 27 points a game, but they found, you know, it seems like they've meshed a new team that, you take out some of the older guys, they, they can, you know, they can last another three, four, five years with, with the core they have, uh, even when Manu goes, and even when Tony goes. And Tony, you know, is only 34, so I think he has a couple more years, even though he's had a lot of help. I think Manu, this is his last year, but uh, you just, I don't know, what more can you say about Pop? I mean, he's a ridiculous coach. He, he might Insane. Be, he might be the most underrated coach because he never has had that much media attention because he's been in such a small market. You know, it's not like it's the Yankees, like in baseball, or it's not like it's, it's uh, the Knicks or the Lakers. It's, it's a tiny market. I mean, it's one of the smallest markets in professional sports. Even though San Antonio is actually a pretty big city, there's just there's no other pro teams there. Um, I really like what, what's been going on there. I guess uh, looking at a couple other things, you know, the Jazz, as you said. The Lakers. Um, the Lakers for me. Uh, yeah, well, I, I mean, yeah, okay, yeah. so their point differential is actually terrible, and yet they're 
you know, at the moment they're nine and ten, I think, and they're right. bo- they're ninth in the West. But you so right. almost think that that will bottom out, bottom out eventually, even out because their point differential is so bad. But Luke Walton, who you know, everyone was asking, you know, can he mem- mimic the Warriors' style? Well, no, he hasn't got the personnel. But what he's made the Lakers is more exciting, and unlike the Knicks, who made all those crazy moves in the off season to try and win, now the Lakers just need to start playing and put a better product out there before they think about winning again. And Walton's managed to do both, really. I don't think it's going to last in terms of wins, and he needs to bring his own guys in over the next couple of seasons. But for what they have with that young core, it surprised me because they've beaten some good teams. Yeah, well, Julius Randle was such a shame that he, what was it, did he break his leg or he had that horrific... Missed the first season, yeah. Yeah, missed last season. He's had some really nice flashes. A brilliant tonight. I always thought he'd be good because he's really tough. He's not the tallest power forward, but he's really tough. He's he Draymond, really isn't he, really? Yeah, yeah. Um, and you look at Jordan Clarkson, who at first I wasn't really so high on him, but he kind of started to impress me. And uh, Larry Nance Jr. And, and, you know, D'Angelo Russell, obviously, who's really uh, what I, I'm hoping – could be one of the next great point cards in the NBA because he's only 20 years old. And, you know, in two years, he could be a significantly better player. And he's already pretty damn good for a 20-year-old in the NBA. Yeah, and he's out um, right now. So, And you've seen right. with his with his uh, him missing games, the Lakers have started to stumble slightly. But then Brandon Ingram, what do you think of him? Pick number two this season. He's kind of being slowly bedded in. He's not made an instant impact like, like a Towns. And obviously, we haven't seen Simmons yet. But... Ingram just looks so thin to me. He just doesn't look strong enough. Yeah, look, I think everyone knows that this is this definitely was not one of the best drafts. I don't know if we will get time to talk about the draft. Um, we can do it now if you want. I know you want to go down the list of bad drafts. No, because I was just I went on this Twitter rant two days ago about I'm so tired of people saying Odin is the biggest bust when you know there's no doubt it's Anthony Bennett. I mean, I'll argue that <laughs> fat Anthony right Bennett. Now. It's not Anthony Bennett, you're saying? No, I said fat Anthony Bennett. Oh, fat Anthony Bennett. We just need um, to repeat that. <laughs> I'm just, uh, you know, I don't know. But no, look, the draft wasn't that good this year. I, I, he was good at Duke. He, you know, he was great at Duke. But I wasn't expecting him to do anything anytime soon. I thought he'd be a project, and I thought that, you know, if this was a better draft, he probably would have gone 10 or 12, to be really honest. I think, you know, he needs time. Um, he, he's unique because he's six foot nine and, and you know he can uh, he can move around and he can do so many different things. But he needs those type of players need time to get used to the NBA. Um, he's playing a lot of minutes, which I think is a mistake. I don't know. I, I'm curious to get your thoughts. I don't. I, I don't know. Be, I think he's. An, I think he's with the right coach, and and you saw last season with Byron Scott, who didn't really play Russell, and then he put him on the bench. Byron Scott. Yeah. Well, I think I think you go the opposite, which is what Walton's done, which is to pl- give him time. He's not going to start, but give him minutes, make sure he gets into the system. Uh, you saw with Russell's development last year. I mean, Kobe was obviously a big reason why he didn't come on, but you've seen how. Oh, yeah how much of a leader Russell is. And uh, Byron Scott, there was no reason why he didn't need to give him those minutes last season. So I, I don't mind it personally. Yeah, I don't, I'm, for me, I'm never a big fan of, of giving a guy, a rookie that maybe is not ready for 40 minutes. It doesn't matter if he was the number two pick. Uh, I think you got to ease him in. But I guess, you know, Luke Wall knows what he's doing. Uh, I think he's going to be a great coach. I don't think it was a fluke what he did as an assistant last year. 
you know, his dad is an, is an interesting character. Oh, man. Uh, he's, probably, he's probably learned a lot from good old Bill over the years. And Bill's always been an entertaining guy to hear. You can't uh, stop Bill Walton talking, though, when he starts. Yeah. Man, have you heard him on any podcasts? I want, yeah, by the way, yeah. love to have him on here, but he doesn't stop Shout talking. Out Shout out to Bill if you're listening. Um, <laughs> I'm yeah, sure he is. I... I, I uh, I don't know. It's it's a nice team. I, I, the mo- the player I'm most excited about is is D'Angelo Russell, not um, not Julius Randle or not Brandon Ingram. I really like D'Angelo Russell. I liked him at Ohio State. Obviously, I'm a Big Ten guy because Indiana connection. Um, yeah, I think though I think you're definitely right. Nine and ten is pretty impressive considering that everyone thought this was going to be another you know really bad year. Um, just considering they've had record losses the last two years, if, to be anywhere right. around 500, like if they can win 36 games, I'd be very surprised and impressed. Because Russell, you know, shot himself in the foot last year with the whole Nick Young phone. Oh you know, that was yeah. bad. And to get to get him back into the system and trusting of his teammates, that's a phenomenal job by Luke Walton there. Um, right. No, definitely. You know, that's a mess. But, he, you know, Luke Wallen's a guy who's, who's been in the locker room recently, and he understands, the, you know, the Twitter and social media, and I feel like he's the type of guy who can bring those two guys together uh, and say, come on, guys, you know, part of my language, but get your shit together, uh, you know, get, get things together. We're a team, and we're not trading D'Angelo. You know, we're not making any trades about this, so you guys got to move on, and I think they probably did. I think you could see that on the court. Um, but, yeah, definitely a, a, an exciting team to watch. But I feel like a theme of this podcast is that there's so many teams with, you know, really young players that we're, we're saying, okay, they could be a good team. Mm. So it'll be interesting in two years when you have me back on the podcast, <laughs> when we look at those teams and see, you know, okay, what happened to these teams? Did, did any of them make the playoffs? Did any of them become contenders? And I don't know. I, I really, I honestly have no idea what will happen. I think that's what makes it exciting. Who knows where we'll be in two years. Um, I want to talk about a couple of former Kentucky guys, DeMarcus Cousins mm-hmm. and Anthony Davis. Uh, yeah. this, is, this is interesting because you've got Cousins who's been in the league six years now. Davis has been in four years. Cousins 26, Davis 23. And their numbers this season for two teams that I mean, the Pelicans could be, you could say they're a disappointment or not. Drew Holiday coming back is huge for them. But consider how these two have improved their game. So Cousins says he wants to improve his three-point shot. He's now shooting 39% from three, which is pretty unfair. You know, he hit 70 last year and he's already on 30 this season. Davis has admitted he wants to improve his passing and his ball handling ability. And once he's got that down, he's pretty much the perfect all-around player. Um, Who would you take? If If you redrafted now, knowing what you know, DeMarcus Cousins is not the best in the locker room. Davis might have injury issues going forward. Who would you take? I wouldn't even hesitate, and I would take Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis, I think, is the next, uh, you know, Kevin Durant or LeBron James of the NBA. Uh, he's he's the next MVP candidate. He's the next guy that when those guys do, you know, leave the league, because it's crazy, but, you know, LeBron is not a young man anymore. Um, Kevin Durant is, is also getting older. He's he's the next superstar. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins is, is a really good player but he has a lot of attitude issues. I'm not sure how he would work on a winning team, to be honest. I know that sounds crazy, but he has a lot of issues, had so many issues with different coaches. You have to stop saying that it's always the coaches and that obviously people say that it's him, but I I think it's Anthony Davis. Yes, he's had a lot of injuries, but uh, none of the injuries have been, you know, the the type of injuries that 
make you say, okay, it could ruin his career. You know, they're not like serious, serious knee injuries or serious, serious shoulder injuries. You know, if you tear your ACL a couple of times and everyone knows what I'm talking about right now, I'm not even going to say the name because it's too painful. Um, <laughs> but those kind of guys, it ruins their career. I think he's going to be fine. I mean, look at him this year. Uh, I agree I with you. I, I agree with you. Hesitate. I wouldn't hesitate. I'd take him in a heartbeat. Well, the problem is, I mean, I completely agree, but Davis has never played 70 games in a season. Um, right. His highest was 68, but you cannot stop either of them. And I, I completely agree with Cousins and the whole... There's, a, there's you know, Sacramento moved into a new arena now, and there's, there's always been that question, you know, should we trade Cousins? And they've been experimenting with these weird lineups. Costa Kufos playing at the four... Um, you've got hey, Coley Stein he wants a trade and, and he should be starting in my opinion but I don't understand yeah. the, King, the Kings have got a t- in a tough spot because y- you've got a new arena and the fans don't have a lot of other sports around there it's kind of like the Packers but yet Cousins is the only draw you're only going to the arena to watch DeMarcus Cousins but if you want to trade him it's now because next year is his final year of the contract. You do not want to run that out and get nothing for him. So that is the big, de- uh, you know, the big de- debate right now with Cousins. Yeah, uh, there's lots of things going on on that team. I mean, Omri Kaspi has gotten a ton of attention in, in Israel, obviously, because he's from here. But mm. no, one has, no, no one understands why he's not playing. Last year, he was an amazing, amazing, one of the best three-point shooters in the league. Uh, he's not even playing. He's getting a bunch of did-not-plays, DNPs. And no one understands why. Uh, there's there's lots of issues going on here. The team wasn't built that great. They moved into the new arena, which is supposed to be an exciting time, but it's not because it's not a good team. It, there's lots of these guys. I mean, I look at their roster, and it's lots of guys who kind of like been good players but weren't good enough to like stick on their teams and lead them. Like Ty Lawson, you know, is a good player. He was he you know he in he did, North Carolina he was amazing. Yeah, but he also, you know, had a couple, you know, he had a, a run with the Nuggets and all that um, and had a couple good years, but not, obviously not enough to, you know, to want to keep him. Rudy Gay, uh, as a guy, wasn't good enough to keep in Memphis, wasn't good enough to keep in Toronto. Um, and he's got bundles of talent. He should, Gay should be better than he is. Yeah, I mean, he's always scored. You know, he's always scored. I don't think he's ever been an all-star, but he's always been close to being an all-star. Um, you have, you know, I don't know. Uh, you have Matt Barnes and Aaron Eflalo. You know, I spoke about those guys earlier. Um, <clears throat> ben McLemore, who came out of Kansas and was supposed to be, um, you know, oh, man, he was supposed to be a great, great talent, has basically become a bust. I don't know if you can call the seventh pick a bust, but, um, you know, also, uh, didn't, didn't the Kings also have uh, – Jimmer for that uh, a few years ago, and that didn't work out either. Jimmer, um, well, you got you got Lawson, Barnes, and Cousins in the same locker room. <laughs> yeah, that's it's pretty it's worrying. And then Rudy Gay said to George Carr when he came in last season to coach, "Welcome to basketball hell." And Carl right. wrote about that in his book. That that says it all. Gay openly wants a trade. So does Collie Stein. Yeah. It's his second season. I still don't get. You know, <laughs> I still don't get how that happened last year. How he agreed to go there last year. Is he's such a great coach, and he—I mean—I think he's one of the best coaches in the league, or at least was back in the day. Um, but I think we're doing a disservice to Anthony Davis, though, because you talk about Cousins' bad behavior and his off the field. Davis is unstoppable. I watched the Lakers game yesterday. The Pelicans beat them, and 
he's unreal. Like with the team he's got around him, guys like Omar Asic, Tyreek Evans has been out. Drew Holiday coming back, like I said, is massive. But then you look down that roster, Solomon Hill, they're just the, the names don't really inspire. But Anthony Davis could literally beat you on his own. He he scored 90 points his first two games of the season. And if he stays healthy, yeah. got everything in his game. He's got the three now. He can shoot deep balls. He can get to the line a lot. I think he's getting to the line 10 times a game. He can blo- he leads the league in blocks. Just an and just a super talent and like Westbrook someone you would watch a game just literally just to watch him yeah like I said uh next uh, next superstar of the league I mean you could argue he's already there now but you have LeBron and you have Durant and you have Curry and you have all those players that are in the league right now that kind of just you know makes him not get the attention he deserves and again uh the market you know it's not the biggest market and it's not a winning team and uh it's it's a shame. I think you know. I think I think they'll they'll realize that they they need to put the pieces around him because they really have a a once in a every twenty year player. Not a not a good not like a not like a you know an eight time all star. Which which there there are. You know what I'm trying to say. Like he he's the type of player that could become like a fourteen time all star and a two time MVP and a first team All NBA. Not a guy like. You know who's going to be really good, but not superstar tandem. So I think uh, I think we'll see him stick around there. I hope at least. Uh, I hope he doesn't get traded or anything like that. I'd Just, like to see a player like him stay where he was drafted, mm. um, and and you know win a title. I don't want him now see him go to. I don't know. I mean, I, I can't. I don't know. There's tons of teams where you could go to join. But does it help uh, his legacy? If he, I mean, that's a long five years he's got to wait on that contract he signed. And if it yeah. does, it hurt so, or help yeah, his legacy if he leaves and he wins? Because he, he clearly he wants to win. Yeah, I think you know the, uh, he he wants to win, um, but he won't uh, win in New Orleans. He won't win a title, or he won't make make a good team in the playoffs. I mean, probably won't win a title in New Orleans. No, but you never know. I mean, you you don't know the NBA things change. You know. There, there's years where, I mean, I remember when the Hornets with Chris Paul, was, I think that's what New Orleans Hornets are, I can't keep, they always change. Mm. Um, you know, they were really exciting to watch, and, and they went through a really good period with David West was also there. That was like the beginning of, of his career, um, you know, the middle-ish of his career. You, you don't know. I mean, again, they're, no, they're not going to win a title probably, but it's hard to win a title anywhere, so... But you don't know if he could. They could build a nice team around him that can make the Western Conference Finals. Definitely not next year or the year after that. But that was a. Remember, they made the eighth seed and they were kind of they sneaked into the postseason, lost to the Warriors. But that again, another team that was supposed to be trending up and just under Alvin Gentry have gone completely backwards. Hey, I know you yeah. wanted to talk about Greg Oden, um, <laughs> who said yeah. to outside the lines that he'd be remembered as the biggest bust in NBA history. Just before we yeah. get your thoughts on this, a um, couple of things about Odin. So Portland took him uh, over Kevin Durant. And if you remember back yeah. in 1984, they drafted Sam Bowie instead of Michael Jordan. Yeah. Uh-oh. Okay. Um, Odin... Bill Walton had his injuries with the truck. Yeah, the Bill, yeah, they've had terrible luck. Um, wow. Odin missed his rookie year. Uh, if I remember right, he shot free throws at Ohio State with his weak hand because of an injury. Um, yeah, that was from college. He, he played the national championship game with a broken wrist and still dominated. That was such I a good game, though. Mike Conley, Al Horford, yeah. Joakim Noah. That was awesome. Yeah, yeah. And I won't forget that game because it was literally like you couldn't believe that a guy 
His wrist was completely destroyed, still was dominating everyone. I mean, it's just sad to think about, you know, well, we'll get to him in a minute. Go on. <laughs> no, I just want to give people the numbers because he, he missed his rookie season because of the knee injuries he was suffering with. Then he played 82 games over the next two seasons. Um, averaged 9.4 points, 7.3 rebounds, but then he missed the next three seasons because of the knee issues. Um, the Blazers waived him, and he tried to come back with the Heat um, in yeah, 2013, was, and he, he played yeah. 23 games, That and then that was it. And now he's saying that he's going to be the biggest bust. You've got guys like Durant defending him because he didn't play, and I think it's true. But what, what do you want to say about this? I, have, I mean, look, I, he was not a bust. He had injuries when... People, when he played, he went through periods where he was averaging 18 and 10. He, when he was healthy, which was not a lot, don't get me wrong, but when he was healthy, he was really good. Uh, and in college, he was ridiculous. I mean, you look at like guys like Adam Morrison, who also were like superstars in college, and you know J.J. Redick, who's become a solid NBA player, but uh, you know maybe he's not the best example because he has had a solid NBA uh, career. But uh, Tyler Hansbrough is considered one of the – top five best college basketball players of all time. Yeah. You know, the NBA wasn't for him. But Greg Oden was the guy that everyone knew he could also do it on the NBA level. And I really think that if he didn't have all the injuries, he could have. And, and Buss, for me, a bust is a guy who just couldn't couldn't get in the league because his game, you know, wasn't, wasn't fit for the league. Like, there's so many college basketball players that are first-team All-American players, and then, you, you know, they're playing in Israel, they're playing in Germany or, or Spain because they just they can't make it into the NBA. For me, it was never, that was never it for him. It was only the injuries, literally only the injuries. You look at a guy like Anthony Bennett, who was picked number one. Um, yes, it wasn't a good draft, but I, I went on a rant on Twitter about how, how many good players, good players, not great players, have come from that draft. Um, and you just, you know, for me, I looked at the last 21st first overall picks, and I just don't think there's anyone worse uh, than Anthony Bennett. I don't see him in the NBA next year. I think he's not going to be in the NBA next year. I'd be shocked if he's, if someone decides to give him a chance. I mean, when the Nets gave him a chance, it was almost kind of sad that they were giving him a chance. Um, I don't know. Do you think, what do you think about Anthony Bennett? There's nothing to think. Like, it, it is obviously, Odin said this, but if you had to ask everyone in the NBA, Bennett would be the guy that they would select. Because Odin was talked about way more than Kevin Durant was when he came out the draft. I just called him Kevin Durant. I don't know why. Um, but they said Odin was the next coming of Shaq. And then he played 105 games and had to hang up his boots. Yeah. Um, but no, Anthony Bennett, no question about it. Like, the guy couldn't stay in shape. He didn't play. didn't do anything. So, but even, but even when he, But the thing is, even when he did play, and even when he told the reporters he was in good shape, he wasn't, he, he wasn't physically able to do it. And to me, what I don't get is, like, I remember that draft really well, and I just remember people not being sure about it. You know, all the all the NBA ESPN guys who talked during the draft, um, you know, just not being sure about it and wondering if it was the right decision. But, okay, you know, let, let's go with it. And I'm pulling up right now just so I can get this off my chest, but you look at, you know, the, the guys that, that it went a little after, not even went – Victor was two, which again, I don't know, is Victor Oladipo number two pick? You can debate no. that. No, probably not. But CJ McCollum, who's now a 20 point guy in the NBA, and Michael Carter Williams, who at the beginning of his career showed some flashes, and Stephen Adams. I mean, even a guy like Kelly, Kelly Olnick, who, you know, is not a, not a, a great player, but has been, been pretty solid, I used to say, 
with the Celtics for a guy that a lot of people didn't give him much hope. He's been a thousand times better. He's remembered for better. dislocating Kevin Love's thing. No, shoulder, yeah, right, that's the one. That's, right. <laughs> at least Dennis he's done Schroeder, something. By the way, Dennis Schroeder, 17th pick in that draft. Georgie Dank, who's, who showed some flashes. Um, Andre Robinson, who we talked about earlier. Um, Tony Mitchell, who, no, sorry, he's, he's in Israel right now. I just got excited because <laughs> of that. But some of these yeah. guys care, though, right? Like, that's part of the right. deal right here. Bennett never looked like he cared. But, it, yeah, it all, you know, it makes you wonder, was there personal issues going on? And if there is, obviously, um, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't wish that on anyone because everyone goes through that and you wouldn't want that. But it's just sad because there's just, I mean, that, I'm tired of it. There's no doubt he... He will go down as the worst number one pick. You see number one pick, you know, play eight years in the NBA and then fizzle out, and they average something like eight eight points, um, you know, eight points a game in their career, and you're going, oh, that's disappointing. But, I mean, you look at his stats, and his career points per game is four points a game for a number one <laughs> pick. Yeah, LeBron, and, LeBron would have loved playing with him. I think the uh, Odin Odin returned to Ohio State to do his degree, and and he's a student manager yeah. on the team as well. I think that's going to yeah. help because it's it must be so difficult if you're drafted number one overall in the NBA, and you think you're you know you're going to go up and up and up, and then you find yourself back at college and a couple of years later, that must be such a weird thing for your head. Uh, and I don't think Odin regrets going into the league early because he got at least he got he got money right. Even if if this had happened in his second year in college, then no one would have taken him. Yeah, um, you know, he, I think he. What did he? I think he made something like eight million from his NBA deal or something like that. Um, which is enough, right? <laughs> so. Yeah, which is enough. But uh, you know, it's it's a shame. I mean, the talent and, and the story. But I'm glad to see he's back with Thad Mata at Ohio State as coach. Yeah, Thad Mata also coached him at Ohio State. Um, you know, I'm, I, I've been, I read that he's doing a lot of those motivational talks. I'm sure he'll. But really be able to explain to young guys, you know, you really can't take things for granted. Yeah, he did take the $8 million, but there's all these rumors that he's lost a lot of it and he's gone through lots of problems. Um, but it's just sad because, you know, he, he's a guy who I honestly believe without the injury could have been a Shaq. I really do believe it. I watched his clips in college. I watched some of the flashes that he had. And you just see a player that was unbelievable in his body, uh, you know, just gave up on him. And there's been lots of, you know, if you look at all the number one picks, there's been lots of good ones. You know, there's been lots of uh, interesting players over the last 20 years. But I don't really think, you know, besides, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to get the list real quick right now. But besides, uh, here, here it is, besides LeBron, um, even, even Kyrie Irving and even, Blake Griffin and, and Derek Rose and all these guys and Dwight Howard, I was the excitement around Greg Oden. What if is always going to be there, no matter what? Because I do think if Greg Oden was healthy for 15 years, he would be better than Blake Griffin. He would be better than John Wall. He would be better than Derek Rose. Wow, um, are you related I, to him? You love this you guy. I mean, yeah, I, I know what you're saying, but Blake Griffin. I mean, Derek I Rose not, was an MVP. I'm not a Blake, not a Blake Griffin fan. I'm a big Blake Griffin fan. Can we get? Can we go to the Clippers quickly? Because we've got oh, a no, we, we've got to hit we we've got to hit a few topics before we go. Um, Definitely, let's do it. I really like Blake Griffin. To me, he's got this classic move this season where he'll dribble to the left on his opponent, spin and finish. He's worked on his shot. 
uh, and there's this there's this thing with Chris Paul, right? So he's a kind of he's a dour guy. He's pretty, you know, miserable and and you know tough to deal with apparently. Uh, and I think Griffin and DeAndre Jordan, who are, are pranksters and jokers, some of this Chris Paul attitude has worn off on them this season. And although they've lost a couple of games recently, kind of showing us that they're back to the way they used to be, the, the old Clippers who couldn't get past the second round. Griffin, yeah. to me, looks serious this year. Like He looks like a real... I think he's underrated. I think he was overrated when he came into the league, and I think he's underrated now. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what to tell you. I, I, everything about the Clippers... The Clippers, I even hate more than the Warriors. I, I can't stand Doc Rivers. I think he's the most overrated coach in the NBA by far. Um, if the big three trade doesn't happen, he's fired. There's no doubt about it. The year before that, he was about to get fired. Everyone knows he was about to get fired. Mm. They were terrible. They were terrible. He was terrible in Orlando. He barely won a playoff series. I'm not even sure if he won a playoff series in Orlando. You have to check that out. If he did, he won one or two tops. I don't think, though, he won one. Uh, it, everything changed when the big three came for him. His whole career changed. And now he's got another one, and they, they've done nothing. The Clippers aren't going to win a title with him. No way, Jose. Uh, Chris Paul's going to end up wasting his whole career not even playing in a finals. <laughs> uh, they're not. They're not going to make the finals this year. I would bet anything on it. I don't care how good they start the season. Don't you want to see Clippers think... Warriors conference finals finally? No way. No. No way. I don't, it's not going to happen. They're not going to make it that far. It's. 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 Chris Paul is not a winner in the playoffs. I, he's a great player, and I'll go down as one of the best point guards of this generation. Not of one of the best point guards ever. I also don't buy when people say he you know, a top 10 point guard ever. I wouldn't even put him in the top 15 or top 20. That might be harsh. That's my opinion. Um, I never, you know, I never connected with him. He's an amazing player. I'm not saying he's not, but he's not a guy who's going to win a title leading the team. I just don't think he is. I agree. I agree. It's so strange because they're so talented. And even JJ Redick, uh, you mentioned him earlier. I think he's one of the... He's done so well for himself. Coming, one of the best college shooters of all time, no doubt. Uh, but in Orlando, he was a bit part player, and he's developed his games to to the point now where he's got his own podcast with uh, Yahoo, and, and he's uh, right, he's right. a starter. It's, he's it's he's a, a genuinely good player. And the knock on Rivers has been in, in LA that you know he's got this role as not just a coach, but he's kind of a GM too, president. And he bringing in he's bringing in no one. For the bench, but actually this season, Murray Spates brings a bit of fun and love in. Raymond Felton can run that offense and pick his spots. You know, there's always mm-hmm. the talk about Austin Rivers. You know, he's given his son money. Oh but, God! But that bench, they they've never had two starting. Mm-hmm. They've never had two sets of five, right? They've always had Jamal Crawford and then five others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love Crawford's one of my favorite players because he just he's a baller. Mm-hmm. There's no other way to put it. He's just a straight up ball. He doesn't. Every time I watch a Clippers game and, and I, you know, the age comes down on the screen, you see that he's 35, 36, you're like, he, does, he looks like he's 28 years old. He's playing like he's 28 years old. He's one of those great players that I can't even remember. I don't even know if he's ever made an all-star game, which just shows sometimes how crazy the NBA is. But I think he's made, you know, over $100 million. But I'm not sure he's made an all-star game, but that's another issue. Um, yeah, the bench, you know, like you said, the bench is there. Um, Look, let's talk again in, in June, and let's see. Or I guess I guess mid May to see if they're in the finals. I don't I don't think they are. There's I don't know. There's well, that, that you know, yeah. it's such a week to week league, and everyone talked about them doing it all this season because of the way they started. 
Hey, uh, right. give me a number between 1 and 15. 7. 7. Okay, so our last team, we're going to talk about the Milwaukee Bucks because they're 7th in the <laughs> East. Um, I wanted to go on the Knicks, but the Bucks is fine uh, because I watched the Bucks last night against the Cavs and they won that game. A Tentacumpo beast. What about the yeah. rest? Uh, yeah, look. Um, Maker, Thon Maker is an exciting player. You know, he's still really young, and uh, he's a guy that's not doing anything right now. Is he, that's, Mar- right. Marcus um, Beasley, though, one of those uh, weird college names. Beasley's playing well this season. Yeah, you know, he had a, a lot of the problems with, with marijuana. Yeah, he looks <laughs> and, like he did. <laughs> yeah. Um, he went, you know, he went to China for a bit to clear his mind. Um, he, yeah, it's good to see players like that have, um, you know, a, a coming back. Jabari Parker's a player that I still think, um, you know, the injury hurt him. At the, it's, it's really difficult to have that season-ending injury at that point of your career um, and then kind of pretend like nothing happened and bounce back. But it's it's an interesting team, you know. It has a mix of veterans, you know. It has it has Jason Terry, and and it's weird to say that Delvadova is a veteran, but he kind of is. <laughs> Your starting because, point guard is Matthew Delvadova. Yeah, well, well, he's the type. He's he's one of those players that you have in every sport. A guy who kind of like you're like, okay, how is he making that much money, and how is he, you know, still in the league and. And he just is, and he—he's got his own shoe line, by the way. Yeah, yeah, it's—it's <laughs> yeah, it's weird. I've—I was always a big fan of uh, of John Henson coming out of North Carolina. He was always a really intriguing prospect, but he hasn't ever put it together. Um, <clears throat> I think um, you know, Son Maker is the key here for the future. He's a guy that there's a lot of buzz about. I mean, I don't know if you ever saw some of his YouTube clips. Um, I'm not saying that that'll transition to the NBA, but he's a guy that people have been talking about for years. Uh, I'm curious to see how his development goes. The Greg Monroe move. I, I doesn't wasn't... like him, though. Jason Kidd does not like Greg Monroe. Yeah, it's clearly he doesn't like him. Uh, Those type of it's... players aren't finding a market, though, are they? Like, It hasn't worked since he went there, but the way the NBA is trending right now, it's going to be difficult for him to you know, find a, a good landing spot. Right. Um, I I don't know. I think, you know, I miss the, my, my favorite Milwaukee Bucks teams were with Michael Redd when he was healthy back in the day. Yeah. Uh, those teams were just really fun to watch. The Bucks have kind of, you know, been up and down over the years, had a couple of good years. But Michael Redd years were the most exciting. Those years are long gone. Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, like you said, you, there's, the Greek freak is, is doing his thing. And Jabari, him and Jabari Parker are nice. You know, one, two, and they're both very, very young. But then after that, there's nothing... Nothing really, special. Nothing special. There's lots of just very average, whether it's Greg Monroe, Tony Snell, who I thought would be also an, a lot better player. He's kind of disappointed me. He was a really exciting player in college. But Chris Middleton's um, the big one, because he averaged 18 last season. He's got the hamstring right. issue, and he won't be back this season. If they yeah. had him, there's a chance. And I think the, you have to look at Jason Kidd now as a, as a coach... Walked out on the nets, uh, third season with the Bucks, under 500 overall. You know, right. as a as a great point guard who had like I think 107 triple doubles in his career. Yeah. You know, it hasn't yeah. translated right now. You'd expect Milwaukee to be better than they are. Yeah, you'd expect to be better than they are. Um, whole, you know, everything that happened with, with Jason Kidd and how he how he abrupted, uh, how he left. You know, it's. 
it's a weird story. Um, everything that happened with the Nets, if you remember all that a couple of years ago, it was one of the weirdest stories we had of a coach leaving. It was also crazy how quickly he became a coach. We've seen it. Avery Johnson did it a couple of years ago. Actually, it was a long time ago. I'm getting old. That was like 10 years ago, but he went straight from being a point guard to coaching. I don't know. I think maybe he'll get fired pretty soon. Maybe this year, maybe next year. Um, but listen, Max, we can't have an NBA podcast and not talk at least for one minute about the New York Knicks. Uh, okay, we'll, we'll fit we them can. in. We'll squeeze we them in. Um, we have to. The Knicks. The Knicks, okay, I want my take on the Knicks and then I'll give you the floor. Um, what I found really interesting was that last week they beat Portland, Atlanta and Charlotte. So that's, that's a pretty good test. Um, and there was noticeable signs at the end of the Blazers game. Melo had the ball a lot down the stretch. And as we know, uh, if the, the ball stops with Carmelo Anthony, which is a shame for Paul Zingas. But there was noticeable signs in the crowd that they were jeering and booing because they wanted Porzingis to have the ball. Um, 21 years old from Latvia. Melo is, you know, 12 or 11, 12 years older than him. And there's the slow passing of the torch because Kristaps Porzingis doesn't have second season syndrome. He is, everything in his average is up right now. He's averaging like six more points a game. Minutes are up, turnovers are down. And I just noticed that and I thought it was really interesting because Carmelo Anthony will go down as one of the greatest scorers of all time, but not a winner. Porzingis yeah. could elevate this team. Uh, and I don't really like the Rose Noah additions, but Kristaps Porzingis yeah. is the only thing that Phil Jackson has done well since he was there. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Derek Rose, you know, it's it's, it's cool. It's, it's fun. That's the best way to say it. It seems like it's the, the management, when I say management, I don't even mean so. I mean the ownership is, is more excited um, about having you know, Derek Rose there for marketing purposes because as he is one of the only guys who's won the MVP in the last seven years. Um, and uh, it's, it's, you know, it's, if you think as a basketball mind, they were terrible, you know, moves because Derek Rose fitting with Carmel, it just doesn't work. But they, and then I think Brandon Jennings, who also like is a guy that needs to shoot the ball a lot. Mm. Um, in the preseason, he was doing a lot more. He's, he, He's been, he hasn't played as much uh, this year, but um, I'm totally with you on Porzingis. It'd almost be interesting, you know, if, if Derek Rose and Noah didn't come and they were still doing the rebuilding thing, because you said it earlier in the podcast, they kind of are playing the win now mode, but, you know, I would have liked to see how he would do um, if he had like kind of a, a I won't say a worse team because it is still a bad team. But, you know, other guys, uh, you know, more of, of not stars on the team because he's a really exciting player. So exciting. They, they're in win now because Jackson came in and now yeah. they're in win now even if he left because Porzingis is there. Um, but there was a funny, the funny Thanksgiving joke was, you know, Derek Rose went to Melo's house with Wade and the people were saying, you know, if you pass the plate to Melo, you're not getting it back. And that is kind of what is happening on the court. Uh, and until right. until he's cleared out and he signed that big deal and, and then everyone accepted that he just wanted the money then and wasn't a winner. But until he goes, it's all it's all well and good watching Rose slash to the basket. I mean, it is fun to watch this season, um, but that's not a winning acquisition. Porzingis needs guys around him that are going to make him better directly. And still at the end of the game, I'm seeing New York go to Carmelo because they have to, because he's used to it. 
right? Paul Zingas can do everything. Yeah. He can dunk, he can shoot the three, he can play deep. Really exciting player. But New York is an, yet another franchise who cannot seem to get anything right. You know, they cannot take that extra step. Yeah, and, and this is the best way. My friends and I have had this joke for years because Carmelo's been in the league for years. But what's Carmelo's best year as a basketball player? And the answer is his freshman year at Syracuse when he won the national title. And that, <laughs> and that, really, uh, that really describes his career. I mean, he's going to go down, as you said, one of the greatest scores in NBA history, not even in our generation, but in history. Mm. But not much more than that. I mean, really, not much more than that. He's going to have all the all-star game allocates and all the points and all this. But playoffs, he has nothing. And, and um, it's going to stay that way as long as you know he does what he does. And he's not changing his game anytime. I mean, this is what's kind of – he's kind of – in terms of you know, in terms of his 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 uh, what's the word? In terms of his his mindset, he's he's like Kobe because he doesn't want to give up the ball. But yeah. The difference is is that Kobe was a winner and Kobe played on good teams and Kobe te- Kobe made teams better and Kobe motivated the players around him and Co- you know yeah he Kobe did get in fights with players and there's reports about that. But Co- you wanted to win with That's Kobe. fine, though, right? Camelo's just your friend. You don't want to go to war with him. I mean, that's what basketball mm. players, when, I, when I've interviewed basketball players here, you know, the guys that are not playing for millions of dollars, the guys that are playing for $80,000 and $100,000, which is still a lot. You know, I think we, everyone out listening to this podcast would be happy to make that. Um, but still, it's not the millions. They always say the word go to war with, go to war with. And he's not the guy you want to go to war with. He's not the guy you want to dive on the floor with. Because you don't really see it from him. And Kobe gave every part of his body. I mean, Allen Iverson also shot the ball a million times a game. Also gave everything. I don't know if you would say Carmelo gave everything. I, I, I don't know if you'd say that. Um, I agree. Now, poor Jeff Hornacek as well. He's doing his best, his utmost, to make sure that Porzingis develops while he's surrounded by these guys. I mean, he's seen rotations right. like starting Porzingis with the bench uh, in the mm-hmm. second quarter. Then he'll rest Melo that stay at the beginning of the fourth quarter, that he's trying to stagger their minutes and do different things, uh, even not running yeah. the triangle, which is to the uh, annoyance of Phil Jackson. Uh, yeah, that's definitely not making Phil happy. But, stuck in the um, 90s, Phil Jackson. It was, what's also interesting, looking, Noah's really declined the last few years because of injuries. and He looks slow. Yeah, he looks slow. He used to have that energy. You know, he'd come in the game um, and, pe- and it really energized... Uh, the crowd and energize the team. And he kind of looks like, okay, I've been in the NBA for nine, 10 years. I know that this is kind of just a show in New York. I have a nice flat in, in, in Manhattan. I <laughs> uh, get to hang out with Carmelo and Derek on the weekends. New York's good for me. It just doesn't look like he's there to, to win. And uh, it's just such a shame because the Knicks fans are some of the best in the world. Madison Square Garden is probably one of the best sports stadiums in the world. And it's just, you know, it hasn't, it's just ridiculous because they've been bad for so many years and the Knicks haven't won in like 50 years a title. And it's very similar to the Cubs. Very, very similar to the Cubs. Amazing fan base, amazing historic, you know, stadium. Just not, uh, you know, not the right tools. And we really thought, I don't know about you, Max, but I thought Phil Jackson was going to change things. And I think that's his real big asterisk. Time to go back to L.A. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't know if LA will take him. I mean, I, yep. I don't know. Well, Jim really Bus, Jim Bus is going to walk if the Lakers don't go back to contention this season, which still looks very unlikely. So maybe, and obviously, his genie is his fiance there. Um, hey, 
this was fun. I got because this was such an NBA podcast I and mean, a couple of games for people to watch out for. Friday, you've got two of the most contrasting games ever. You've got the Magic at the Sixers, which might be contention for oh, the worst yeah. game ever, and then Cleveland at Chicago. So LeBron and D Wade get to reunite. Still That's weird for me to see Wade in a Bulls uniform. I don't like it, but very, very weird, very strange. Very weird. But. They didn't want to pay him. He deserved the money, and I totally support him going. He gave everything to them. He wanted the two-year deal for $47 million or whatever it was, and they, you know, the, the Heat were only willing to hash that offer. And I think Pat Riley knew what he was doing, though. Yeah, for sure, but it's, I, you know, I, I totally support him. And also, it's like he went back to a random place. He went back to his hometown. Yeah. Um, and, you know, let him ride in the sunset, as they say. Well, this was fun, man. I, I hope you've got your uh, NBA appetite nice and warm now. We've got to, we've got to do a consistent uh, pod because I think the, the NBA fans out there would like that and it would be good to talk. Definitely. Lots, of, Definitely. lots of news coming out every week. So, Yeah, man, I'm, I'm always available. It's good to, good to talk NBA. You got me really excited for the weekend. I'm going to try and catch some games. It's a little later here, but the Sunday games are always good to watch in Israel. It was a pleasure being on your show, man. And anytime you want me or anytime your viewers want me, I'm, I'm always available. Thanks to Rafael for his time on the NBA. That was a really fun chat. Going to get him on throughout the season. Regular podcast with Rafael because you know, news on the NBA always coming out. Uh, but we're going to get to my four storylines before we wrap up the show. First today, I wanted to talk about Thursday Night Football. Mike Florio of NBC Sports said the NFL could pull the plug Uh, on Thursday Night Football uh, as soon as the 2018 season. Now, he has a genuine source, and Florio is usually right on these things. Uh, He's saying uh, this source is apparently saying the NFL will consider ending or at least limiting Thursday Night Football. So tough on players. My take on this, well, every team now in the league has to play on a short week from Sunday to Thursday. The most crazy example I can think of was just last week. Washington hosted Green Bay Sunday night football, late kickoff, and then they turned around, went to Dallas and played a lunchtime game on Thursday for Thanksgiving. That's crazy. I mean, you have Monday off and then you have walkthroughs Tuesday, Wednesday, don't have any time for practice because of the physical limitations of these guys. Players don't like it. It doesn't help them at all. And now that you have every team doing it, it's no longer a novelty, right? So this is where the question of do we consider at least limiting the games comes into real question. The CBS-NBC contract runs through 2017, so any change would be 2018 onwards, unless, obviously, the contract uh, is renegotiated. But because every team now plays, it shortens the appeal. When it first came in, Thursday Night Football, it used to be the first week of the season, and then they do it every week after Thanksgiving. Now, last year, the TNF package reportedly sold for $450 million. And now they've got the Twitter experiment where t- 10 of the TNF games are, are streamed on Twitter. The fact that they're experimenting, at least to me, says something isn't right here. Now, the NFL have released a statement, as they always do on everything, saying they're committed to Thursday night football. But I'll tell you what, the players certainly aren't. It's unfair on them and it's unfair on the product. Ratings are down and they're going to go up again like they always do. There's no real serious problem here. People just watch the NFL in different ways. But... The product is down for Thursday night football. And if you have primetime games on Sunday and Monday, you don't need another window on Thursday night. It was basically brought in so the NFL network could have games to go along with their coverage of the NFL. 
It's unfair on players. It risks injury. You look at... This is just multiple car crashes when you play in the NFL. American football is the most physical sport in the world, in my opinion. And you cannot expect teams to turn around from Sunday to Thursday and play a, a competitive game that's going to be fun to watch. The matchups are not very good. Uh, they tried the divisional games last season to, to make it more interesting. But I think the NFL really have to consider this. And I hope Mike Florio is right on this one, like he is with most things. Number two, and because we had our NBA guest uh, going to keep it with the NFL for this one, if you had to take one of these teams to go to the Super Bowl today, if you had to pick one, the New England Patriots or the Oakland Raiders, both 9-2, and two, both having good seasons, very different seasons. The Raiders were a lot of people's pick to be a very good surprise team this year. I didn't expect them to be 9-2 and two after 11 games, tied with the Pats with the record. Patriots right now, because of their conference record, uh, win the tiebreaker. But I think Oakland are a better team than New England. New England don't have that much talent right now. Bill Belichick is doing a tremendous job, aside from writing open letters to Donald Trump. Great coach. And Rob Gronkowski picked up, I think, his third injury now of the season. He's going to be out with this back issue. Don't know how long for. Martellus Bennett's out. Julian Edelman isn't the same guy anymore. Dion Lewis is back, and that does help New England. But they don't have a lot going on for them. right? Jamie Collins shipped off to Cleveland. Stefan Goskowski, who was one of the only guarantees in, in the world in 2016, is now missing extra points and field goals. Oakland, I think, are built to beat New England. And it's kind of interesting uh, when you look at their playoff experiences, the two teams. Could, could Oakland go to Gillette Stadium and beat New England in a playoff game? Could they host them and beat them? Very inexperienced team, Khalil Mack, Derek Carr. Do they have the wherewithal at this young stage of their careers respectively, to go and beat a team like the Patriots. Tom Brady, who's been there, done it, won four championships with Bill Belichick. But New England and Oakland, if you face them off, either team, if they play the Dallas Cowboys in the Super Bowl, let's say hypothetically, ratings would be amazing. That would be great for the league. And I think you'd even get more with the Patriots and the Cowboys. But I think the Raiders deserve right now to go all the way. In such a tough division, the AFC West, the Chiefs and the Broncos played an amazing game on Sunday night. Oakland to win that right now, I think they're a better team on paper than New England and I would pick them to go all the way to the Super Bowl, which is crazy to think for a team that hasn't been to the postseason since I think 2003. Third on the list today, and although it's very quiet in the baseball world, there is some news. New York Mets have re-signed Johannes Cespedes to a four-year deal worth $110 million. Average annual value here is $27.5 million. That's the second highest for an outfield player ever behind the only uh, Detroit Tigers, Miguel Cabrera, Cabrera. Sorry, The Nationals Astros were both involved in this deal, but the Mets had to do this. They had to make a record spend in their history to bring back Cespedes. You know, he never wanted to leave, um, but the Mets need to make this move because they've got this young, this young rotation locked up for a couple more seasons. Harvey can't be a free agent until 2018. DeGrom, I think, is 2019. Syndergaard's 2020. So they've got a young rotation, lots of talent. They need to make sure they keep the support of that on offense. And they had two deals to make. Cespedes was one of them. And then Neil Walker, their second baseman, was the other. They re-signed both. Um, Return from injury on August the 19th, Cespedes last season. The Mets were under 500. He hit 3-6-4 and took them to the postseason. They lost in the wildcard game to the Giants. But he's such an integral part of that. Um... He's 31, though. 
this is where it gets a little interesting because he led the Mets last season with 31 home runs. He also led them in RBIs with 86. But he's 31 years of age. Yes, you can say it's the same age as when Robinson and Cano and Albert Pujols got their huge 10-year deal, same age. But there's questions about his work ethic. He's already played on four teams, Oakland, Boston, Detroit, and New York. What does that say about him? Why were teams not sure to keep him? Um, Two-time All-Star, only hit 30 home runs twice in a season. Not incredible numbers, and at that age... The money you have to you have to put the money up. If you're serious about winning, I know you have to put the money up. But there'll be questions now that he has been paid, he has got assurances, and he's stayed in the city he wanted to. Whether he'll be able to perform like he has previously with the Mets, he's got a full no trade clause as well, and his contract runs to 29.5 million in 2020. Lots of money, um, but he's prone to strikeouts. His on base percentage isn't great. But the Mets have lost Bartolo Colon to Atlanta. They need to support that rotation, as I said, and they had to make this move, whether you like it or not. So first big move before the winter meetings in baseball, Cespedes back with New York, and uh, we've got to see if they can push on. And finally today, keeping with the NFL theme from the first two points, kickers, do they have too much influence these days? Justin Tucker had a very interesting point the other day on the Dan Patrick Show. He said that on a kickoff, if the kick splits the uprights, team should get a point for that he liked a couple of scenarios that was one of them and the other was if he did if a kicker did hit it through the uprights then the opposing team would have to start on the 10 or the 5 as opposed to the 25 as it is at the moment he reckons Justin Tucker who by the way hasn't missed a single kick this season that he could get about one in five through the uprights Um, he's got 35 touchbacks this season which is 12th best in the NFL but of course him and uh, John Harbaugh want this because Justin Tucker is one of the greatest kickers in the, in the NFL right now. But if a, t- if a game is tied with three seconds to go and a kicker could feasibly win the game on the kickoff, that might be a little bit strange. And I do think that kickers are influencing the game too much at the moment. So to add this rule, which is obviously hugely hypothetical, then it would give them even more influence than they've already got. Now, you've seen with the extra point going back to the 33-yard line, A guy like Dustin Hopkins, bless him, for Washington at Wembley the other week. He missed the potential winner against the Bengals and it was a tie. This is happening so much now that we're talking about kickers all the time because they're missing more extra points. They're missing more field goals. They've always got a chance to win the game. But it's always been like this. It's always been like this. I personally wanted rugby-type kicks where wherever the touchdown was caught, that's where the kicker would kick it from, whether it be right on the sideline or down the middle. And I think that would actually detract from more kicks and give teams an opportunity to say, right, let's go for two because we have to kick the ball from the touchline. Probably more chance of going for two. Pittsburgh are a very good team at going for two. They like to do it. Mike Tomlin's aggressive with it. And I think that's one of the reasons, that's one of the ways we would see less kicks. But teams have to be more committed to that move. And you have to keep the kickoff. You can't ban the kickoff even though the league are very worried about safety in that respect, because you still need the onside kick to exist. That has to be an integral part of the game. Kickers are influential right now. They're they're talked about more than they probably should be, but they're still on the football team. We have to remember that. Um, I'm not really going for the Tucker thing. I mean, it's a a funny idea on paper, but I don't think it would translate with the NFL. Uh, But if it came down to a, a decision between you know, stopping these stupid penalties for celebrations and the one point through the goals, I'd take the latter, of course. 
Those are the four things bothering me or exciting me this week. Thanks to my guest, Rafael Geller, this week. All NBA. Really enjoyed it. Um, lots of exciting games coming up. Christmas Day, you've got the Cavs and the Warriors. The Warriors also go to the Clippers on the 7th of December, like I mentioned. And remember, Friday this week, Cavs go to Chicago. LeBron and Dwayne Wade, a rematch. Who would have said that a couple of seasons ago? And they're both in Miami. James will be back with Cleveland and Wade will be in Chicago. Thanks for supporting the US Sports Podcast with me, Max Whittle. You can find the podcast on Audioboom on its official page and on iTunes as well. Get questions into me at Max underscore Whittle on Twitter. Thanks for listening. As always, have a great week all and enjoy the games.